0: And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. And I have a fantastic guest on the show today. Uh, Her name is Mary Jo Sharp. She's a former atheist from the Pacific Northwest. And uh, in her words, she thought religion was odd at best. She now holds a master's degree in Christian apologetics. She's an assistant professor of apologetics at Houston Baptist University she is a speaker throughout north america she serves on the faculty with summit ministries student conferences and she's also a guest lecturer with Ravi zacharias international ministries she's also the author of several books including an upcoming book on hypocrisy in the church the title of the book is why i still believe uh... mary joe thanks for being on the show today hey kevin i'm so glad i could be here absolutely i'm really excited to hear your story i'd i i do not um get to talk to a lot of people who come from an atheist background and then, um, you know, switch to Christianity. And we hear a lot of stories from people like Lee Strobel and others. And I'm I'm really excited for our listeners to hear your story about, um, you know, what made you make that decision to go from thinking, hey, Christianity is for somebody who's weak-minded to, okay, I've decided to become a Christian and embrace that. Can you give us a little background about your growing up and and uh, maybe how you came to become an atheist first and then ultimately how you became a Christian?
1: Sure, thank you. Um yeah, so I have a little bit of a different background than say like Elise Strobel because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um I'm from Portland, Oregon. And so I I wasn't like a person who was hostile to Christians or necessarily to religion. So I wasn't like, if people have in mind the new atheist movement, you know, mm. like sort of if they're thinking Richard Dawkins or something, yeah. I wasn't that person. Um, I was just, I was raised without God. I was raised outside of church and then you know i i was raised in a part of the country where um people were very private about religion at least at the time that i was growing up there so um it's very different i like to tell people very different from where i live now um you know people hear my name mary jo and it's a very southern sounding name <laughs> yeah and then they they find out i'm from the south and then i'm you know i'm in a baptist church and then all sorts of assumptions start flying around um but no, I mean I grew up in a place where I tell people I was like, okay, look, here's the cultural difference. Um, we in in Portland we didn't have churches on every street corner. It's was, it was very different. Uh, and then I tell Texans, nor did we have gas stations on every street corner, nor Mexican restaurants on every street corner. <laughs> That's right. <yeah>. And then <laughs> Texans are like, oh, okay, I get you. I get a you. whole a whole different Perfect. world. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um, it, it's just so I was raised without an understanding of Christianity in general, except what I was seeing on television and in the movies. And so it was a very what I had was a very shallow um, understanding of what Christianity was. But contrasting that, I was what I was raised with was a father who just was a huge science nerd. Uh, You grew up watching all sorts of science shows like In Search Of and um, Nova, Mutual of Omaha's Wild America, stuff like that. Um, And I was raised by two parents who just loved, not only did they love the outdoors and and just really gave us... A sense of wonder at nature. They also developed in us a sense of wonder at the arts and you know what humans could do through the arts and the beauty that we could produce. So I sort of I was raised with a sense of awe and wonder at the natural beauty that I saw as well as the beauty from like the humanities, the arts. And over the years, I believe these areas began to profoundly impact me so much so that as an older teenager. After having my head filled with all that Carl Sagan stuff about the universe is all there is, was or ever will be, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I began to wonder: Is that true? Like, I, I started to have some questions about you know who I was, my place in the world, uh, did I matter, and how do I know that I mattered? Uh, and that was the time at which I had a person, a Christian, who was my high school band director who um, had never shared his faith before, he, he decided that, it, you know, he needed, he had burdened for me and he wanted to talk with me about belief in God. Wow. So, um, so yeah, he actually shared at risk of losing his job, yeah. <laughs> he shared with me uh, a Bible, he gave me a Bible my senior year of high school. And all he said, um, pretty much what I remember is that, you know, when you go off to college, you're going to have hard questions. I hope you'll turn to this. And he tells me that now he says, you know, I prayed with you. And I said, I don't even remember that. I just remember my response was something like,
0: wow, thanks. You weren't, um, that wasn't something you were excited about. It was, were you, were you surprised? How did that catch you?
1: Very surprised. He had never been evangelistic with me oh, okay. um, at all. Mm. So uh, I wouldn't have really known that he was a Christian. Um, I mean, I, I might have known that he went to church, but I didn't really know anything about Christianity, so I didn't know what all that meant. And
0: uh, so like, you hey, I was the kind of person... You, I'm sorry, Mary Jo, you didn't have any um, Christian friends or people around you that were um, through high school talking to you about God or anything like that? I did have a Christian boyfriend uh, whose parents told me
1: that if I was gonna date their son I had to go to church. Uh, so I went to church a few times but I usually slept through the services. Oh. <laughs> so
0: what I <laughs> what I gleaned from it was these were nice people. Okay, gotcha. But I didn't need that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't need that. Yeah, you specifically so, yeah. You specifically state on your um I was looking at your bio and everything, um, that you thought it was for weak minded people. Is that how you felt at this point in time in, in life or or was that later on?
1: Yeah, and what was really influencing me were the scandals of the 80s, the televangelist scandals. This is the big one, the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. I remember that one specifically. And I thought, wow, this is a sham. Like, they're just they're just trying to get money from people. And so I guess there are people in the world that need to follow something like that, you know, to feel like they have significance. But that's obviously not for me.
0: Yeah. That was sort of my viewpoint. And And so... Um, do you think that a lot of atheists today are growing up under the same uh, perception as you were? Do you think a lot of people are in those same shoes?
1: Um, in maybe in America, I think they're they're seeing. I mean, there's so much cultural influence saying that Christianity is nothing but a myth or a fairy tale or a you know wish fulfillment things like that. And that, there's a huge influence through social media and through again, through the arts, you know, through our television and our movies to push, you know, that influence on us. So I think there is there is sort of a sense that believing in Christianity is committing intellectual suicide.
0: hmm. Well, uh, that's that is uh, very interesting. And so um, when you got to college, then you go off to college. Uh, what, what happened at that point? Well,
1: in college, I decided that um, I had been reading this Bible that the band director gave me, yeah. and I had really had my eyes opened. Um, in fact, I used to love mythology, like Greek mythology, all that. Um, and I I was, wow, I, I did not expect the Bible to be so different from that. And so it shocked me. And I decided that there was probably a God. So I needed to go uh, figure out what I believed. So I started going to church on my own in college um, for the first time. And just to try to figure out, like, what is this whole thing about? Because though I've been reading the Bible, I didn't really understand the whole aspect of Jesus as a savior or why people needed him. Cause I would have thought uh, if you had asked me, I would have said, well, I'm a good person. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't drink and I don't do drugs. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not committing murder or I'm not mean to people. You know, I would have
0: said all these things. So I had to figure out, like, why was Jesus necessary? Yeah. And and when you said um, you decided there was a God, was there something specific that caused you to decide, okay, there must be a God as far as... Because were you reading apologetics books at this point in time, or was it solely the Bible? It was solely the Bible. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And what was... What...
1: I'm just going to try to frame this with what I think I was thinking because now I'm you know I'm much older. Sure, sure. I think what what really impressed me was when I read the Bible. It just sounded so very straightforward. Mm. It did not sound fantastic. It did not sound mythical. And in fact, it matched my experiences in the world. It started to make sense of things to me, like why people behave wrong, Mm. uh, why people do bad things, how we're supposed to treat one another, um, the ethic of love that Jesus was talking about. These things started to make sense to me. And the other thing I think was really pressing on me was the idea of that people are made in the image of God, which gives them meaning and significance because there was intention behind their creation. Again, don't think I would have said it that way back. (laughs) I think that's what was running around in my head. And so it started to make sense to me. Um, and the idea of good and evil, where does that come from? Why do I think there's a way things should be? Yeah. I think those things were what really
0: impressed me on, wow, there's got to be something behind this universe. Yeah, absolutely. My guest today is Mary Jo Sharp, and she's a former atheist who is now a Christian and um, teaches apologetics. She is part of the apologetics program at Houston Baptist University. Her website's com or confidentchristianity.com Love to have you check out her stuff. She has all kinds of uh, great resources. Why do you believe that is a Bible study specifically about apologetics that you can check out. When we come back, she's going to talk a little bit more about this and um, Mary Jo, you brought up the idea that um, some people think that uh, Christianity was copied from pagan myths and how you when you read the Bible, the Bible seems so non-mythical and so uh, we'll come back and talk about that more so stay with us we have a great discussion here and uh, hope it is a blessing to you we'll be right back Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and
1: maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more at FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I will catch.
0: Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. If you'd like a list of the five best arguments for the existence of God, you can shoot an email to me. You can get uh, get me at kevin at educateforlife.org. You could also leave me a a message at my phone number for my ministry, 619-431-0096, and I'd love to help you out with that. I have a whole apologetics curriculum on my website, and it's all about demonstrating that the Christian faith is a rational faith. It's based on solid evidence. We do have faith, but it's faith for a reason. And so um, I, I check that out. There's all kinds of great stuff on there. My guest today is Mary Jo Sharp, and her website is confidentchristianity.com. And uh, Mary Jo, when we left off, um, you had talked about how when you read the Bible, you were reading the Bible for the first time as a young college student. Um, what came across to you was how uh, non-mythical or how straightforward it was. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I know that you've, um, you've actually, I believe, had debates with people on whether or not Christianity is a copycat religion.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me give you a couple of things. Um, one more anecdotal, which is uh, what, you know, what in the Bible didn't look, you know, mythological to me. And specifically, if people are interested in what I was looking at, it's Luke. Uh, the book of Luke, he's so matter of fact. And, and, and even when he, I mean, he starts out by saying that he's writing all these things down after investigating them so that he could tell his friend, Theophilus, the certainty of the things that he's been taught. So he's trying to make sure that these things have been checked out. And that I did not expect to find like, hey, I'm checking these things out. <laughs> yeah, in the Bible, yeah. Right. And then and then Luke goes on in that vein. Um, to report things like when he reports miracles, he, he's like, OK, and then Jesus raised this guy from the dead you know, or, or Jesus healed this guy. Um, and then he just moved on like he just reports it. It's not this big, glorious, flowery language. And look at the great thing that this great man. Did. It's just like moves on. Yeah. Oh, he did this thing. And then the next day they went into this town. So he, it, it actually sounds like biography which really really like you know like he was reporting something instead of that he was writing this beautiful story this beautiful tale that we're all supposed to emotionally swoon over. Mm-hmm. So that that was really what hit me so anecdotally.
0: Yeah, I've um, heard that I've heard that the Gospel of Luke actually has uh I'm I'm not sure if it's more facts than any other but he constantly is referencing dates, people, historical people, historical places and so it's really an amazing book if somebody's really uh wants to look at uh, kind of an evidential historical analysis of the Gospels.
1: Yeah, exactly. And definitely check out Luke 3, because that's where he's reporting all the offices and people who held those offices and in what region they held those. And he's like 15 facts in like three verses. So um, it's just packed with uh, information to check to see if it's true.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I know a lot of, um, I've had quite a few atheists on the show, And uh, these are some it's amazing to me how many people are not aware of the historical credibility of the Bible. Um, I'm always surprised that they haven't taken more time to look into it and go, well, wait a second. There's a lot of stuff in here that is right out of the history books and um, that, that you can verify.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are various reasons for that. So, I, you know, we live in a society where you never have to really check into anything because, you know, typically we're not on a life and death basis constantly. Like We're not searching for where exactly the next meal is going to come from because there is no food to be found, you know, things like that. So we have and I know that's that's a generalization, but we tend to have this um we're, we're a wealthier nation and so we have the luxury of not having to make those decisions you know about what we believe immediately imperatively yeah. like there, you know now
0: yeah exactly so so back to what, um your story here we are you're in college you're starting to read the bible you're starting to go to church you want to figure out hey what in the world is going on here so what what happened next
1: Oh, yeah. So um, I started going to church and eventually I got invited by another a fellow music major because that was my undergrad to a church where I just I really heard a clear presentation of why humans need Jesus, like a clear presentation that humans are sinful, that we have a fallen nature and that we're the problem. So we're not the solution to the problem. Um, and that made sense to me. So When I was asked by the pastor of that church who came to visit me, like, if you were to die tonight and you were to go to heaven, should God let you in? Those sorts of questions. Um, I was like, well, no, no. And he's like, well, why not? And I said, because I haven't trusted Jesus for my salvation. Because at that point, I understood it. I got it. That made sense to me, and so that was when um, I trusted Jesus for as my savior. And it wasn't a big emotional thing; it was more like, "Yes, I get this. This makes sense. Uh, I want to do this." So that was. It. <laughs> See, it's sort of. I've heard all these great conversion stories over the years, and mine's more like, "Yeah, I'm ready for it."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very thoughtful and and uh, just matter of fact, right? Yeah, yeah. So, how did your parents respond to that? Uh, did they? Um, was that a positive thing or how did they feel? Oh, I think there was disappointment
1: um, in, in the fact that, I mean, I actually, um, the phrasing, like I thought I raised you better than that kind of, that was the phrasing that was used. So there wasn't a rejection. It's not like when, maybe like a Muslim leaves their family um, or leaves their family's beliefs. It wasn't that sort of outright, well, we have to reject you fully. No, it was more just, they're very, you know, again, I come from the Pacific Northwest. They're very accepting of people of different beliefs. And so they were more like, yeah, I don't really agree with this. Um, but, you know, you, you, kid, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, now, um, of course, you didn't have to become an apologist after that. Many people accept Christ and they move on. What what led you towards apologetics?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually what is going to be in my upcoming book, why I still believe that story is in there. So so I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And then, um, and then, you know, you get involved with the church usually. That's the next step. And what happened to me was that nobody warned me that when it, getting involved with a church would entail... So many human failings and problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I actually naively went into church thinking, "Wow, I found all the people who are going to worship this God who's behind all the goodness and truth and beauty in this world. So they'll be seeking after those things. These are the worshippers of that God." And I was oh, like super man. excited and <laughs>
0: that's yeah, right. that's set scary. myself up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I know when I was yeah, in uh, when I first got involved in ministry, I. Uh, the youth pastor had a sign on the ceiling that said, always look up. And uh, I said, what, why do you have that? And he said, well, there's so many people around you that mess up that you just got to always keep looking up. So oh, that, that's
1: great. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that's what you found to be the case too, huh?
1: Yeah, I just, even from the very first day, like my very first church service as a Christian, I'm walking into the, the church sanctuary, and the pastor's wife is standing outside and greeting people, and she takes a look at me. I'm extremely poor at this point. I'm a college student. put myself through college, and it's uh, so like I have two dresses, and I chose the one that, was, that I thought was appropriate, and she gives me a smile and then immediately gives me a once over, and the first thing she said to me was, we've got to find you better clothes,
0: Oh, my gosh. Ouch. My <laughs> that's awful. Experience. Yeah. and I
1: i mean, I know that's it's, it's not like what some of our Christians are dealing with across the world. But for your first encounter in the Christian church to be that they're worried more about what you look like than who you are. Uh, I think that really started me on a path towards, OK, well, I kind of that that shouldn't be like yeah. I, I started not trusting people in mm-hmm. the church and not trusting that they were sincere worshippers of God. So over time, with many instances of problems like that, um, I ended up questioning whether or not people actually believed in God or if maybe I had it right when I was an atheist. And so then I started questioning, well, they don't seem to act like they believe it's true. And that pointed the question back at me, well, why do you say it's true? Mm -hmm. And that launched me into looking for the answers that got me into apologetics.
0: Well, that's very interesting. I've had, um, like I was saying before, I've had quite a few atheists on the show, and there's definitely a common theme of attacking Christianity for hypocrisy, um, and just, uh, I was wrong this way, I was wrong that way, and uh, I've... My understanding is that a large number of atheists were either grew up in christianity uh, christian families or claimed to have been christians and then say you know the hypocrisy just uh, killed it for me um and so y- you could have easily gone down that path but instead you decided to go towards apologetics um so yeah. you're you're evaluating now okay is this true in spite of these people who are not representing christ well
1: yeah, and that was what was difficult, was uh, to get to that point, because, I mean, so at this, I, I've left a little piece of my story out. I actually, by the time I become a Christian, I've found my husband and gotten married. Oh, <laughs> That's a big okay. part of it. But, yeah. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a girl, I have a baby, and there was this... This plays into, you know, figuring out the hypocrisy issue was when my daughter was born. I had this um, instance where I was coming out of the hospital, and so, you know, you bring your newborn, your first baby, out of the hospital. It's a great, glorious experience, (laughs) and I walked right into this cloud of smoke, cigarette smoke, and it was disgusting. And I thought, "Wow, where's this coming from?" And I look over, and it's a group of nurses and doctors. Oh my goodness! And I thought. (laughs) how hypocritical, like you are the guys and girls (laughs) that teach us that, you know, smoking is absolutely detrimental to human health. And yet here you are just living like that's not true. And I went, Oh yeah. Just like Christians.
0: (laughs) Wow. What a metaphor. That's incredible, huh?
1: Yeah. So I, I kind of thought like, Oh yeah. So people can profess something to be true and actually believe that, but then still live in rebellion to that truth. That's possible no matter what. Like, mm. so
0: yeah. I that, had a... Um, we're coming up on a break here. Sorry to cut you off, Mary Jo, but uh, okay. this is a, a really uh, fascinating story. Um, my guest today is Mary Jo Sharp. Her website is confidentchristianity.com. If you're looking for a Bible study, an apologetics Bible study, where you want to you wanna examine the facts, um, she has a great resource, a uh, Bible study called Why Do You Believe That? Check it out. Um, You can pick that up, uh, I believe, through her website or in in other venues also. And she has a book coming out, Why I Still Believe, which deals with the fact that, hey, there's a lot of people in the church that aren't living what Christ teaches. um, But in spite of that, um, why should I continue to follow Christ? Why should I continue to keep my eyes on Christ and follow him? Stay with us. We're going to be right back and finish this conversation. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Thanks for being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org, and on it, I have a full curriculum for people that are interested in learning about apologetics, um, all the different kinds of issues that you can imagine, creation and evolution, world religions, um, you know, what about the issue of abortion, what about the issue of homosexuality, all the the different things. How do I know the Bible is actually God's word? Uh, Could it have been changed over time a bunch of the different issues that come up that people have questions for and my guest today is Mary Jo sharp She's a a professor at Houston Baptist University They have an apologetics program and before we uh, get too far into uh, or or continue the story Mary Jo um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about the apologetics program at your uh, Houston Baptist University? Oh,
1: sure. Thank you. It's yeah, we have a fully online apologetics degree, so you don't have to leave the beauty of your hometown to come and study. Uh, it's a 36-hour degree program, and we have some great professors like Nancy Piercy, William Lane Craig, Mike Lacona. I'm one of the professors, and we have two separate tracks. One is a uh, cultural apologetics track, which is quite unique in that not only will you get the apologetics arguments and wrestle with those, but you'll also get to um, wrestle with them in their cultural homes, such as in film and literature and music and art. Uh, So we really like that track because it does attract people who want to communicate great truths of Jesus through those mediums. And then we have the philosophical track where you go deep into those philosophical arguments um, that have been historically present in Christianity throughout time. So all fully online, you can check it out at www.hbu.edu forward slash MAA.
0: That's fantastic. And, um, you know, I I feel like apologetics has become more and more necessary in our current uh, culture, in our uh, present day, simply because I I don't think skepticism has ever been at such a, uh, you know, high rate. People are uh, very skeptical, and there's so much information out there on the Internet that it's hard to sift through. Uh, sometimes I think some people throw up their hands and go, "Geez, how am I ever going to figure out what's true here?"
1: Right. Yeah. That's and that's why the that's why I believe the copycat theory caught some uh, ground and why it got um, you know rolling is because of the fact that there's so much information and that there's so much false information yeah. uh, on the internet and things that aren't very you know even like the copycat theory itself is not really widely accepted by any. Like an academic, but yet it's still extremely popular. And so that that tells you sort of the problem, the joy of the Internet access to so much. And then the problem of the Internet is that what are you having? What's the access to? Yeah, you know?
0: exactly. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that for our listeners? Um, exactly what the copycat theory is and, and maybe a brief response to that?
1: Sure, yeah. The so the copycat theory is that Jesus's story is based on or loosely based on or fully based on depending on what they're arguing earlier pagan myths that existed such as Osiris and Horus and Mithras so that what typically a person will do that's arguing the copycat theory is they'll make a list of things they'll say like you know Jesus died um, he he was crucified he raised from the dead he was born of a virgin he had 12 disciples they'll make a list and then they'll say look this is exactly the same thing as Horus and so they'll make this list from Horus or or they say even Osiris you know and they'll show the list so um, that's the copycat theory it's just basically the story's been going around the ancient Near East for a long time. And um, Bill Maher, the political comedian, he mm-hmm. loves to say this. Like, Jesus' story is an exact copy of Horace. That's how he worded it. So a brief response to that. You can go a lot deeper into this if you want. but I, I tell people to take three actions when this is the problem they're dealing with. And one is to actually get the whole story you actually need to read the sources that these stories come from to see if Jesus's story is an actual copy of Horace's, you know or Osiris's. so, Take a look at the Egyptian Book of the Dead. This, this is available online. I mean, the Egyptian Book of the Dead is free. There's no yeah. copyright on it. So like you can actually look at these uh, translations of these Egyptian hieroglyphics to see if you can find these same stories. So get the whole story. And I think what you'll see is that there's a major problem that arises when you look at the sources of these stories. And that is that they aren't the same. Um, They're not even close. So you're doing a lot of stretching in order to get close. And I'll give one example. um, And that is like virgin birth. So people will say that Jesus' story is the same as Mithras. He's one of my favorite comparisons. And so Mithras's virgin birth is he's jumping out of a rock next to a river.
0: That's a serious, uh, that's a serious virgin birth right there. (laughs) Virgin rock.
1: Yeah. Right. And then they'll say, you know, like that's, he has the same story as Jesus. This is actually <laughs> something that Stephen Fry said, and quite interesting, that the story of Jesus is the same as Mithras. Oh, my God! So it's like, no, it's not. Because jumping for, out of a rock from the underworld with a dagger in one hand and a torch in the other is not the same thing <laughs> as being born of a female who's never had sex yeah, with any human. Yeah. That <laughs> right? seems, that and seems kinda,
0: kind of dishonest, kind of di- disingenuous.
1: Yeah, and you know, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, it just really seems like you're stretching definitionally yeah. <laughs> the term virgin birth until yeah. it doesn't have any meaning anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's one. I have two more steps if you want them.
0: Yeah, go go for it. That's great.
1: Okay. So the second uh, step or action would be then to take the parallels head to head. So read the sources. Then take the parallels head to head like we just did. Look at virgin birth between Horus and, and Jesus. So, you know, like Horus was the child of uh, two god- gods in their mother's womb. They were fetuses fetus gods in their mother's womb oh, having sexual intercourse. Yeah, that is being said as the same thing as Jesus being born of a virgin. So look at the actual parallels and see if they are the same. That's an important thing to do, right? Uh, to see if what they're saying, those, those facts are actually indeed the same thing. And then the third action would be, and this I think is the most important for me uh, personally, is set everything in context, So you got to look at who this was being written to and what the words used meant to them, rather than just saying like everybody had a resurrection and using a 21st century understanding of the term resurrection, Mm -hmm. because that term varied. Like if you were a Greek, you're not hoping to be re- like your physical body is going to come back in the new heavens and new earth and everything is going to be redeemed and restored at the end of times. like the Christian truth. It's very different. They want to be released from their physical bodies. They think their physical body is sort of a jail of the soul and they want to be released to go be in the land of the gods. And, I mean, this is, if you look at Acts 17, you find in that passage that what Paul is preaching about the resurrection to the men of Athens, they don't understand. They're like, this is new. They actually say, you're bringing new teaching to us. Mm. But they know all the myths about resurrection or about, you know, their their myths about their gods. And so you got to actually look into what is the context and then how did the... How did the teaching play out into the lives of the people? Because a lot of the people Paul spoke to that weren't Christian had an "eat, drink, and be merry" philosophy yeah. for tomorrow you die, Yeah. right? But Christians did not have that. Christians thought that God had brought the kingdom into the world, like it's now. Redemption is now, and so there's a way we're to act, and that's different from the world.
0: Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. And um, I've also heard that a lot of the the myths. We're actually copying from Christianity potentially, not the other way around, uh, because of the timing of, of those myth stories. Is that true?
1: Yeah, you're gonna get that with guys like Mithras. I mean, you can't with Horus and Osiris because they predate Jesus by yeah. like, quite a bit. Yeah. But when you get into like the the second century Roman gods, then you start getting copying. Yeah, because Christianity, if you remember, it's taken off like wildfire at this mm-hmm. time. It's going all the way across the Roman Empire, and it's spanning out. It's it's moving. Even, you know, Paul wants to go to as far as Spain, and he's just come. It's going everywhere. So something that's that successful, you know, you would probably, as a pagan who's polytheistic, who picks up uh, the beliefs of other people and just, they sort of absorb them into their own, they're syncretists. Yeah, you're going to pick up some of this language um, that's so successful for the Christians.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, so you know, that's a really, really uh, cool looking at that. And that's one of the popular um, attacks on Christianity that comes up. So that's a great way to answer that. Um, in your in your Apologetics Bible study, why do you believe that? Um, is that one of the things you cover? Or what do you cover in that study for our listeners who, who might be interested in getting a copy of that?
1: Yeah, uh, that one is, so the why do you believe that was meant to be more of an entry point for people into apologetics so that they didn't get like put off because apologetics can sound intimidating. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So it it was more focused on having effective conversation, and you know some of these topics come up along the way in that study, but it really centers on four elements of a good conversation, so knowing what you believe, listening well to others, uh, questioning others, really putting emphasis on questioning other people's beliefs and how they know them, um, and then it helps them respond. The fourth element is being ready to respond to you know if you ask people about what they believe, eventually they're going to ask you. So it's more introductory to help people get to a point where conversation on God is more natural.
0: Yeah, and not, not awkward. And I think that's what, what holds a lot of people back is that they just feel so awkward having those discussions. And uh, I know for me that as I began to understand more and more about the Word of God and also just got more comfortable being able to have a conversation, um, it allowed me to be able to share my faith and invite people to church and without... Uh, being so afraid of that. Yeah, and without it being weird. (laughs) Exactly, without it being weird. Uh, Nobody wants to be weird, right? So, um, absolutely true. So, uh, my guest today is Mary Jo Sharp. We have one more segment left, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, how she got involved in apologetics uh, and how she began to explore that in light of the fact that so many people that she was running into weren't actually living a Christian life, or they were doing things that seemed blatantly unchristian, and ultimately, this has caused her to um, decide that this was an important enough issue to write a book on it. Why I Still Believe. Stay with us, we're going to be right back.
1: Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924.
0: Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are locally, we air this show on FM 106.1 in North County down here in Southern California, as well as AM 1210 praise. you can check us out on kpraise.com kprz.com as well as um i've also got it on youtube it's on a uh, podcast it's on a uh, periscope facebook all these different venues to get the word out there i hope it's an encouragement to you um, i'm constantly trying to bring on guests who have uh are able to share insight and wisdom based on their experience and what they've studied and what they know. And so we've got all kinds of uh, interviews, up over a 100 different interviews with experts from all over the world, talking about everything you can possibly imagine, from cosmology to archaeology to paleontology to philosophy uh, to cultural issues. Um, We're just uh, really trying to embrace a biblical worldview through getting to know the Word of God better, and how to apply it to our lives and live it out. My guest today is Mary Jo Sharp, and she has a fantastic testimony as somebody who came from an atheist background, not a hostile atheist, not somebody like uh, maybe Richard Dawkins or, or Sam Harris or somebody else, but somebody who was just not brought up in a Christian home. And ultimately, she was led to the conclusion that, you know what, it makes most sense that God exists, and I, I want to figure this out. And so ultimately, she decided that Christianity did make sense and it made the most sense. So, um, I was going to ask you, Mary Jo, um, what, what for you is one of the most compelling evidences for the truth of, uh, the existence of God and, uh, the truth of Jesus Christ, uh, resurrection and, and so forth?
1: Yeah, that's that's an important question. That's one of those like, hey, here's how to, you got to respond to people who ask. Um, so for me, and it's very first Peter 315 of you, right? Ask, yeah, <laughs> cause He says to always be ready to give a uh, reason, a defense of the reason of your hope. So for me, um, there's sort of. I wish I could like nail it down to one, but sure. I think it, there's three, there's three that sort of equally impress me. And one is the nature of good and evil and where those ideas come from um, and how to ground good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when we look at evil, I, there's nobody that's going to, I mean, there are people that deny that evil is a real thing, but we all experience pain and suffering, so Empir- for as far as empirical verification, we can pretty much empirically verify that pain and suffering, what we call evil, exists. And so I wanted, you know, to figure out, well, how do I know that's true, and where am I getting that from? And so uh, that was a big part of how how did this get into the world, um, and why is it here? So that was a big played a big role in my coming to believe that God was real. The second one was the uh, arguments for the resurrection, the evidence for the resurrection. Looking back at what happened in A.D. 30 and all of the early testimony to uh, Jesus's resurrection, the things that his disciples were willing to go through in order to proclaim that he rose from the dead. And, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I would not. I would not hold a lie for that long. With those results, they had horrible deaths, oh, yeah. and they were persecuted heavily. Um, so I know people will die for a lie, but you know, generally speaking, unless there's a mental problem going on, they're not going to die for something they absolutely know is true and suffer immensely like they did. Hmm. Uh, so they were very. The early disciples are very impressive to me as to uh, the evidence of the resurrection and their testimonies. Um, and then the third one is the, the fact that of trying to ground human significance and meaning like human value uh, outside of being created in the image of God. I think it's very difficult from a, um, a, an atheist perspective to really ground uh, human meaning and value. And so that, and I think when you, you lose yourself of a grounding such as all human beings are made in the image of God and worthy, therefore of respect, Due to the kind of thing there are, I think once you loose yourself from that human nature type standard, you can commit horrible atrocities on oh, mankind yeah, mm. yeah. absolutely so, uh, I, that,
0: those are the three okay that yeah that that makes a lot of sense and so um so as you are exploring it along the way, and ultimately you you now was your um you said you became a Christian after you're married is that right yes yeah now now was your husband already a committed believer, or ha- what happened there? Yeah. I left that part of the story out, right? Oh. <laughs> and
1: I, I went, when I went off to college, I was sort of like, I'm going to go to school, get my degree, explore, you know, this whole Christian thing. And yeah. then that's it. That's all I want. And Uh, You know, along the way, God had a little like bump in the road. He sent me my husband, Roger, my freshman year of college. I wasn't looking for a husband. I wasn't looking to date, even. (laughs) I just wanted my degree. And here along, he sends me this backslidden Christian who is from a small town in Oklahoma. Remember, I'm from Portland, Oregon. (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) That's worlds apart, right?
1: (laughs) We are worlds. We are hilarious together. And I, I don't know. It just... Yeah, I met him in that time of like searching and here God sent me this Christian who was just backslidden who um, he wasn't real like influential on my life as far as a Christian. But um, once we determined that we wanted to be married and all that, he he did come to me and say, hey, you know, I want to raise my kids in church and I, you know, I want my family to go to church. So he was influential in that way. I think that's originally why I was receptive to going to this church where I heard the good news of Jesus yeah. was because of his influence in that moment.
0: Yeah. God gives us lots of grace. He, he uh, works through the, the, our, our uh, failures and, and foibles, right? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. So, well, it um, was a, a help. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I wanted to just to kind of wrap up the show cause we're almost out of time here with, um, your explanation, because your book that you're that's coming out, when does it come out? The Why I Still Believe, November fifth. November fifth. Okay, fantastic. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. So that book, Why I Still Believe. There's a lot of people that say um, I see the hypocrisy in the church. I've seen these failures. You know, uh, pastoral infidelity is all over the place. There's all kinds of problems like this. And so, if if there was somebody in front of you saying. Uh, there's no way I should. Uh, I would follow Christianity. Look at all the the hypocrisy. Look at all the failures. Look at all the scams and the people that are just taking people's money. Um, what would you say to a person who who said that? Why do you still believe?
1: Yeah. Well, I would first tell them that I understand um, where they're coming from. Um, so I, I would want to, like, generally speaking, I would say, hey. We've got common ground here because, yeah, I, I get it because mm-hmm. um, I've been hurt many times in the church. But I would tell them the problem is that hypocrisy is a human problem. And it's, it's a problem. You know, I can find a group of atheists who gather together to have donuts and we're still going to have huge problems because they're humans, right? Like there's going to be problems in that group. There's going to be marginalization. There's going to be people who are insecure. There are going to be people who um, are doing power plays or people who have to have too much control. You know, they have to have control of everything. So that's a human quality. Those are human failings. And I'm going to find them in the church and I'm going to find them outside the church. What I need to do is to determine whether or not Christianity is true. Uh, if there's a reason to believe that, because, you know, the, the old adage is if Jesus rose from the dead, it's the most important thing. Mm. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then it's of no consequence on our lives. So I really need to figure out if that's true. And if it is, then I have to deal with now, what do I do with the church? Right. What do I do with these people who have all the same failings as every other human being, right? How do I how do I uh, hold that intention in my life and still be part of community with them, mm-hmm. um, as the Bible actually says, to not forsake the coming together, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's what I would tell them. I would say you you gotta, and I understand um, some people have been horrifically damaged by mm-hmm. the church, right? Like so, this is not an I'm not brushing over this as an easy thing. I don't want to come across trite, but in the end is there something that's true? Um and are you willing to discover that truth? And I think for some people they are not. They're not willing yeah. because they just uh desire has an emotion and other things are playing into it where they even if it was true, they wouldn't want it. And uh, you see that in some of the there's some atheist writings like Thomas Nagel, who will admit to that, like, Mm -hmm. even if it's true, I don't I don't want it. So I would ask them where they're at with that, you know, and uh, be willing to walk alongside them if they want to discover truth in this matter, uh, to walk alongside them and and investigate those truths of Christianity.
0: That's fantastic. Well, uh, Mary Jo Sharp, thank you so much for being on the program today. Oh, thank you for having me, Kevin. I I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, If you want to look more into what Mary Jo has to offer as far as resources and these sorts of things, uh, her website is confidentchristianity.com. She's also available as a speaker also. Um, Fantastic testimony, as you've heard. Um, Her book coming out in November is Why I Still Believe. I encourage you to pick that up. Also, uh, fantastic Bible study, Apologetics Bible study. Why do you believe that? If you're looking for something to use through the summer months with a small group. It's a, it's a brief uh, study um, that you can get through very quickly and gain comfort in being able to talk to people about the difficult issues that often pop up in a culture that's become very in- increasingly skeptical. And, uh, lastly, uh, do check out the apologetics program at Houston Baptist University. Um, I, whether you're a lay person, whether you're making a profession out of it, whatever the case, um, as Christians, we want to be able to be, uh, intellectually, uh, astute when we're talking about these sorts of issues so that we can, um, draw people both through our love for people, but also through uh, intellectual truth. We want to be able to articulate that and communicate that. My website's educateforlife.org. Check it out. All kinds of shows on there for you to check out. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And uh, I pray for you that God would bless you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out. I love to hear from uh, our listeners. So God bless you. Have a great weekend. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb, but for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcast and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800 243